The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each week we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. And I place a special emphasis on what I feel are our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I'm thrilled to have as my guest, Susanna Gargillo, where we'll be discussing corporate social responsibility. So let me tell you a little bit about Susanna. She is founder and president of Story Lounge Media, a communications and consulting firm that works with companies to identify and develop corporate social responsibility and communication strategies grounded in their unique fingerprint of values, vision, and core competencies. Susanna is a former CNN senior television producer and journalist, as well as a certified executive team coach, where she focuses on creating high-performance teams through shared vision and values. Susanna, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you, Olivia. Glad to be here. Thanks. So, in the last few years, I've been hearing a lot about corporate social responsibility. What is it exactly, and why do you think it's important? Um... Well, let's see. It's all corporate social responsibility is really all about the way in which you as a company conduct your business. Are you doing it in a responsible manner? That's the that's the simple explanation. There's no real set definition of corporate social responsibility. Um, People have companies have have different um, definitions depending on what they do with it. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about where corporate social responsibility is going. It used to be that we just talked a lot about environmental impact. Um, But now we talk a lot about, you know, it's everything from how are you treating your employees? It's all the way down your supply chain. What is the environmental impact and people impact, you know, and how are your local environmental efforts focused? So it's really all about today. It's the entire footprint of the company. Are you minimizing your negative impact and increasing your positive? That That's really what it's all about. So we, we've really reached this stage now in CSR, which is why I think the most interesting area really in, in, in business today, because it's shifting and it's changing and it's vibrant and it's creative, the solutions that companies are coming up with. But we're at a stage really where it's about how you're giving back. And companies are defining their corporate social responsibility differently, depending on what their vision and their values are. So so it's a beautiful thing. 
Thank you. Well, that makes um, what Mm -hmm. I I was going to say that makes that makes a lot of sense. And it actually then almost implies why it's important, because we want to care about people and the environment. And yeah. Um, So how did you get interested in this? You were a former journalist and TV producer. What led you to leave that and get involved in corporate social responsibility? Well, it was kind of by hat. Well, one thing led to another, really. I was uh, doing a lot of writing about corporate social responsibility and, and, um, and great leadership and these kind of things. And I just found it so fascinating because today, uh, some of the companies that I see that are really pioneering new ways of doing things and really making an impact on society and creating change, it's all happening in the realm of corporate social responsibility. And, you know, I used to think of it like probably a lot of people do as something, you know, quite almost drab and slightly boring and, you know, green is not sexy anymore, but there's so much mm-hmm. more happening than that and and the thing is that I, I just want to mention that I think one of the other reasons I I think it's really important for companies to step in now is that we need corporate sponsors in all areas and levels of life and society to help. Um, GlobeScan, which is a public opinion consultancy, recently did um, sort of a, a leader gathering, and they came out saying that, look, governments are unable to lead, NGOs don't have the power they need, and investors and consumers are not engaged. So really, at this point, it falls to companies to do something to really make a change. This is big. This is beyond, you know, creating jobs and paying taxes. This yeah. is creating a true difference in society. So why do you think some companies are reluctant to embrace it? Well, I think we've had some scare stories. I mean, we all remember, you know, Nike in the 1990s and the sweatshops and and the and the slam dunks of that. I mean, they just it it can be quite scary, and and it's there's a lot of um, you know people and media and NGOs and so forth that are looking for companies that may be doing it wrong, but I actually think it's a huge mistake. Yes, we need to have watchdogs and we need to be careful, but we also really need at this point to acknowledge the positive things that are happening. The companies that are doing well, you know, CSR is a long journey. It's a lifelong journey and it's a process. There is no end goal. It doesn't end. So you're going to make mistakes along the way, but if you're authentic and if you're kind of honest about what you're doing and if you're really trying you need to be able to communicate that. And I think companies should. And if you're clear and transparent, I don't see any problem. You can say, you know what? We're doing our best. It ain't great right now because this and this happened, but we're doing our very best. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take some courage from companies, but it's also going to take some understanding, I think, from from people and critics that have a tendency to jump on CSR that doesn't always go exactly as planned. Well, right. And I think the the companies may resist because they see it as a a loss or a, that it's going to be an expense. So um, in some ways, I, I I'd like to explore that, but I also think it's it's going to be about educating people to be better consumers of companies that are doing the right thing. So um, so what are some of the how like how would you measure CSR? What are some of the ways that, that it could actually be measured? Well, the the 
the one thing that you can do, you know, you can you can start doing it in house if you will. You can do, let's say, for example, um, Ford Motor Company saved uh, 1.2 million dollars powering down their computers when people weren't using them. And wow. one of the things, let's say, that was one of the campaigns you wanted to do. You know, you talk to your the facilities of your building or your electric company and whatever, and you say before and after, and you do a general sort of, well, how much can we really save doing this? If you're talking about like HR and um, com, uh, your transportation for your employees and it, or engagement, you can do simple surveys about it so that you can, you know, figure out, well, how much are we saving by them taking the train and those kind of things? And there's actually some online calculators that will do that. But and if it's philanthropy, you know, if you're given if you're given money to a local, you know, nonprofit, make sure that you set up some success metrics ahead of time and make sure that, you know, they're accountable to you so that you get some sort of impact measures that you can use. But but so there's things that you could do on your own. But I think and there's a lot of companies that will help. I think um, one uh, website, trueimpact.com, has a lot of good advice on how to set up metrics and how to measure and then get somebody in, get a consulting company in, you know, sustainabilityconsulting.com is another one that are really good at what they do and just get them in to help you do it. So but it's it's important to measure it because it's important in, in terms of how you communicate CSR. Well, so that's really interesting because the, some of these things like powering down your computer, obviously there's a, a saving. So what company wouldn't do that? But something about maybe doing nonprofit or charity work that I've heard of companies that'll give their employees a day a month to go and help at a food bank or volunteer someplace. Have you seen examples of where companies have benefited from things like that financially or otherwise? Well, let me have a think about that. Well, one of the things that we know pays off is when you when you look at, for example, some of the studies that Great Place to Work um, do, they show that engaging people in corporate social responsibility pays off in terms of employee loyalty and employee satisfaction, actually their job satisfaction. I don't have specific numbers, but I've, mm -hmm. I've, there's plenty of research out there supporting, you know, that CSR does increase job satisfaction. Right. And one of the things some of the experts say is that, you know, we used to also do, it used to be about CSR, the company does the CSR, but now you really want employees to be engaged because they want to be engaged. Mm -hmm. There's a very interesting statistic out there about um, Generation Y, uh, which are in, they are right now comprising about 25% of the workforce and baby boomers are about 50. Mm -hmm. By the end of the decade, that is going to tip. That, that Those numbers will shift and baby boomers will represent 25% and Generation Y is going to be 50% of the workforce. Wow. Now, there's studies that show that 80% of these um, Generation Y workers, these young people, mm -hmm. will work for companies that care about and contribute to society. Wow. Um, ex yeah, these are CSR is said by experts to be one of the top ways to keep people engaged. It absolutely works. And in fact, I just found a number here because I have some here. It says here 70% um, of um, Generation Y, uh, that 70% of the people that work for a company with a mission, uh, no, 
I'm sorry. Seventy <laughs> percent job, seventy percent job satisfaction mm-hmm. for the or is the number for employees working for a company with a mission versus twenty three percent job satisfaction in a company where they don't have a clear mission. So it's a huge difference. People really want purpose now, and especially the younger generation. They know what they're after. That's fascinating. I, you know, I think because I'm in the baby boomer age group and I feel Mm -hmm. that and but I'm so excited to hear that the Gen Yers are much higher percentage that care about this and it may Mm be exposure to just so much more knowledge through the web or um, being raised you know doing more collaborative games I mean there's just all kinds of things that I think they're better Mm -hmm. at caring for each other somehow so that's really really interesting but I actually pull, I pulled for you if you, if you want to, there, there are some really good arguments for CSR today. And a lot of them has to do with Gen Y and the way they want to spend their money, for example. So if you don't mind me rattling through a list of the very latest and greatest CSR. I'm um, a statistics person. I love it. Go for statistics it. Statistics and research. Let me just give them to you now before yeah. I do it, just so that it doesn't turn into a, a, a too long of, of a rant. Let me just tell you that these numbers come from um, some of the some some very large and reputable companies like Edelman, the world's largest PR company, and um, GlobeScan, which I've mentioned before, and MIT Management Review. So here they come. So 87% of global customers say they care as much about a company's values and CSR as they do the company itself. Wow. It matters. If quality and price are the same, the determining factor in terms of brand choice is today's social purpose. Hmm. It has beat out design, innovation, and brand loyalty as the leading purchase trigger for global consumers t- since 2008. Wow. Yes. And um, in a 2013 CSR RepTrack study, they talked to 55 thousand consumers globally and found that about 75% of consumers will recommend companies they think deliver on corporate social responsibility. Only 17% will do it if they think they're not. Interesting. Another thing is that 90% of shoppers worldwide say they will switch brands to a brand that support a good cause. And one last one is that more than 80% say they will consider social and environmental issues when deciding where to work, what to buy, where to shop, and what products and services to recommend to others. It's huge. That's powerful. So did they break it up by country at all? I'm just curious because I think there's... Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I mean, there, there, there's one one of the things they did was they showed that, and this is an Edelman study showing that purpose has risen as a purchase factor by 26% globally. But when you look at rapid growth economies like China, India, Japan, Indonesia, those kind of countries, mm-hmm. the numbers are completely different and far higher. Wow. In Japan, it's more than 100% this has risen. And this is we're talking in two or three years. In India, 43%. And in China, 80%. Wow. It has risen in terms of purpose as a purchase factor. So listen, if you want to get some traction in these emerging markets, mm-hmm. purpose is the answer. And a lot of it has to do with the demographics of the countries, too. They're young urban shoppers, for example, in China and India, and they really, really value purpose. That's These are the young people, Olivia, so something must have gone right with the raising of the <laughs> Well, and I know there's a lot more of that kind of, it takes a village ethos in 
um, other yes. countries than there is in the U.S. where we're sort of taught to be independent and competitive. So that was why I kind of asked the question. And I'm but that's it, shifting. But yes, that's shifting. That's what's so exciting. And, <laughs> yes. And it, you know why it's also shifting is because after uh, the recession and people, you know, they said 85 percent of the cons- the consumers and people they asked in their studies had been affected and impacted by the recession. And a majority of them were in the United States. And what has happened is that it's really just changed the way they look at me. But now they're looking much more at we because we can't do it alone. They know they can't do it alone. Right. We need each other. We need to help each other. We need the government. We need companies. You know, so the fact that it's it hurts a little bit and has been painful, you know, has created some sort of a shift. Yes. Yeah. Makes so much sense. Well, it's really exciting to hear these trends because it's just going to benefit everyone. And I think the corporate money has such an influence. Like you were saying, governments try, but they can't always do it. NGOs Mm -hmm. usually don't have the money. And if we can engage the big money interests in seeing that, and I think it's going to come from the people demanding it, like you said, through their purchase decisions that the companies yes. will um, start changing. So that's, yeah. that's great. And, and one of the things that, that, that one of the trends that are happening is that consumers are feeling much more empowered. They know that they have power to change things when they go and they buy something. They know that they have an influence and they're going to use it, mm. you know? So, so, you know, you, you got to either get on this wagon or, or jump off and it's it's going to leave you behind. I, I'm convinced that this is this is um, you can see it from the numbers. I don't have to tell you, but it's 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 significant. If you want to survive and do well, you need to think about CSR and you need to think about in a really authentic, deep core way. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a, just a few minutes before the break, and I'd just like to get your thoughts. Do you think social media has been a factor in this change? Yes, I, 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 I'm sure it, it has. I mean, just the, the global nature of the way we now communicate, the way we share has had a huge right. impact on this. And companies are using social media to create campaigns. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the entire issue of globalization and us getting near each other as a community is, is has had a huge impact, I'm sure. Right. So, Well, and when I was young, the only way you got to learn about what products were, however they were, you know, the quality or price or whatever was through newspapers and television. It was all just unidirectional. But now somebody, well, I mean, look at Amazon, you can buy something and then you can go in and put a review. So there there even may be opportunities there. Maybe we should create an app or somebody out there in my listening audience, create an app (laughs) that would let people add a, a, sustainability a, like or... a star system for uh, <laughs> for how good it is for the planet well, i'm sure it's coming i'm sure it will of, come <laughs> we'll think about that one well so yeah. we're just about up on a break so why don't we do that now my guest today is Susanna gargelo and she her uh, can be reached through her website story lounge media i'm olivia rude with quantum business insights and we'll be right back When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. 
Voice America Business Network. Our workplace is dynamically changing. How do you stay ahead of the curve with respect to learning and training? Tune in every week to The Future of Workforce Learning and Development with host Pamela Robinson. You'll learn about real-world strategies, solutions, and resources that will showcase these changes and keep you ready for what's next. The Future of Workforce Learning and Development is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rudd. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, Olivia here, and I'm with Susanna Gargillo of Story Lounge Media, and we're talking about corporate social responsibility. So before the break, we were talking about the trends and how it's becoming so much more powerful uh, and uh, it's really a movement among the Gen Yers and it's very exciting to see. So Suzanne, I'd like to know what what are some of the motivations for companies to get into corporate social responsibility and what are some of the drivers that are taking taking them to take action in this area? Um, yeah, obviously, if they know about sort of these these new stats that are coming out about purpose and what consumers are demanding, they'll they'll get on the bandwagon. But um, one of the other things is that, um, for example, I, I want to say one of the one of the key things about great CSR is that it pays off for the company and it pays off for society. Hmm. So if you go by that rule, then it will always be sustainable for the company to perform to do some sort of CSR, and it won't get cut when budgets get cut. So there are some companies that are doing really, um, they're having some some great approaches and doing some great things to do that, to to help society and also help themselves. Mm -hmm. So for example, in order to get into new markets, you've got Microsoft is doing something with um, in a for Africa projects where they're working with governments and NGOs and they're using, uh, they're experimenting with solar power to get internet connection to rural Africa. Wow. Now you could, you know, you can talk about whether this is, you know, whether this is pure uh, philanthropy, but obviously <laughs> if they can get solar power, if they can get internet connection to rural Africa, they'll have some customers there. Right. Um, another example is General Electric with Obama's Power Africa initiative. You know, they're helping them sort of set out general power lines there so that, you know, they can eventually have a line of customers there. And food companies like General Mills and others are partnering with USAID 
to strengthen the food supply chains, you know, so they will eventually make money doing this. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it really is making a difference in the infrastructure and for the lives of people on the ground in Africa. And I I think we need to get to a point where we can also say, you know, what is great. It's okay to make money while doing good. And it's also okay to do good to make money. Just get it done. Yeah. But this is my opinion, right? Just get it done. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Well, I think one but of it's the... also maybe because I believe that when if you if you start doing something good, you know, we're all people and there's a human payoff. Mm-hmm. It feels good to do good. Mm-hmm. So I, I have this belief that even the worst of cynics doing it for profit, when they start doing things that make uh, people and lives better, then they will feel it and yeah. then they'll want to do more of it. And I would just think employees being motivated to come to work would feel more motivated if they know that yes. what they're doing has a positive impact out there. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. But there are some, there's some really creative and great companies out there doing wonderful things. I mean, one of the, you look at someone and they're, they're really succeeding doing it. Look at someone like Tom's shoe company, uh-huh. you know, which has, is, is, is for every pair of shoes they sell, they donate a pair of shoes. Wow. You know, they've given away, um, you know, a million pair of shoes in 50 countries. And they are this. This is a company. They have followers and fans. They don't have customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a it's almost a movement, you yes. know. So CSR is really driving them, if you will, that's, as a that's, company. That's very cool. And I have mm-hmm. a friend who actually collects used tennis shoes and then sells them and uh, funds villages in Ghana to get water pumps and electricity and sustainable businesses. So, and he's just kind of doing this on his own, but what a way to, to give back. Yeah. Those stories are very inspiring, but these bigger companies, I was, do you have any sense of how they argue to wall street? So if they're accountable every quarter, and this is something that I think needs to be changed for many reasons, but I, I guess when it's a long-term strategy, are there there are things that companies are able to do to convince their stockholders or their boards or whatever that it's worth going this way? Do you know? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know how they do it, but I'll tell you that there's clear payoffs. I mean, if you look at, for example, the Fortune put out the Fortune 100 best companies to work for list, mm-hmm. and I was um, interviewing at, at one point uh, one of the co-founders of that bill. List, Milt Moskovich, who's been doing it since 1998. And what he told me is that we've been watching that list and the companies on the great greatest place to work list consistently outperform the others on stock market. Wow. They just do. It pays off. Um, Kelly McElhaney, who is, you know, a pioneer in CSR, CSR and, and one of the, by the way, I want to recommend her book, Just Good Business, which is just wonderful and really um, easy to follow for companies that want to get into it. Oh. But one of the things, yeah, she, well, I can do that at the end too. But one of the things that she says is that it absolutely is one of the key measures, trust, for example, is mm. it is intimately tied to a company's performance on the stock market. And they've shown this by looking at it. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah. And 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 in terms of paying off, you know, a company like SAS, which has been on the uh, 100 best companies to work for at the top, you know, or near the top, at least for for some years, they they 
they say that, um, for example, their turnover is 4% as opposed to 22%. Wow. And I was talking, I was interviewing them for an article at one point, and they said they save hundreds of millions in, 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 in turnover uh, wow. because of what they do. So, wow. you know, I- there are studies that show it builds better morale, more efficient business processes, better public image, wow. you know, employee loyalty. You could go on and on and on. Well, and some of it may be intangible, but I think some, you know, some of it is tangible. Right. I actually have a long history, personal history with SAS because many of you in my audience know I worked in data mining and still do and use SAS every day for my clients. And I have been to their campus. They have a pianist in the cafeteria every day. They, they have do? Daycare. Yeah. <laughs> every if you're if you're listening and you're a, a a quant person, every single employee has an office with a door. So if you're distractible, you know they Jim Goodnight, the CEO, is kind of a a, a data geek himself, and so he really understands and he makes the climate so easy for people to be able to concentrate. And then they have uh, the healthcare. I'm sure you know all this because of the mm-hmm. the articles, but just to mention, and they have on-site daycare. I think they're building a high school in the area, and it's it's really inspiring. And I know people personally. I've been working with SaaS software since 1989, so I know many many people at that company, and they all share that love of just feeling like they're taken care of. So I can see why that turnover is so low. Very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite extraordinary really that the the but but there are so many companies that are doing really creative things. I mean, you look at, you know, Levi's is seen as one of the the the, you know, Levi's companies like Levi's, Patagonia and Unilever are seen as sort of the giants of CSR, you know, they're kind of leading the way. But but a company like Levi is doing their waterless jeans. I don't know if you've heard about them. I think it's just oh. the most brilliant brilliant story. They 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 looked at what are where's where's our greatest environmental impact? You know what is it that really goes wrong here? And what they found is that it's when they grow cotton and the washing and drying that comes along with wearing a pair of the lifespan of a pair of jeans. And it actually takes, and this is shocking, I think, about 2,500 liters of water to make a T-shirt, cotton T-shirt. Wow. It is unbelievable the amount of water that goes into to making cotton. So what they did was they um, researched and developed a way in which to do what they call waterless jeans, where they cut the water um, use by, by about 30%. And then then what they did is they put it. Yes, they put a tag in the pants saying, you know, please don't wash your jeans as much and do it in 30 degrees and hang them to dry. Mm. Because in the in the span of a life cycle of a pair of jeans, it's 556 hours of powering a personal computer is what they figured out it takes. Wow. So they really took it. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, your jeans will last longer, too, if you wash them and dry yes. them like that, <laughs> which is, you know, maybe not what they're thinking, but certainly better for the environment. That's fascinating. Yes. And then what then what they did is they said, well, look, people love their dryers, right? They're probably going to they're not going to do it. So they they 
They did what they call a care to air design competition and asked people to submit their best ideas for 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 drying without using a dryer. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any of the designs in my store yet, but it was quite a fun idea. Yeah. And now what Levi's is doing is they're working on what they call wasteless jeans and products, which incorporates recycled plastic. So 20% of your pants will be recycled plastic. Interesting. And, you know, yeah, so they're reducing landfills. They're saving money on water and materials. It's a win-win. Absolutely. And that's really what good CSR is. It's a win-win. And so... What I I think what you're you've said is people may even well will certainly buy this if it's the same price, but might even spend a little bit more if they yes. know that it's going to be for the long term best interest of the planet or their community or or whatever. So, and I, you know I think that's where the probably Gen Y is so more, much more ahead is that they probably value it enough to not always have to get the best price but know that the quality is is better and um, the impact is less so yeah that's I, I think it means a lot more to them and and you know when we when you get down the thing that what's so beautiful about CSR really is this is about heart you know it's about humanity and it's about people yeah. and when you when you look at CSR in a company and I think that's really what also attracted me to it you know when you start looking at the people that are doing it really well and when it's real mm-hmm. it's like you can really feel the heart of a company this is what they're really all about and it connects you to them you know well it's that's where the great storytelling is it's a great story and it's a happy story yeah so i remember hearing about one of the big soap companies doing seeing that this was important but not actually doing it the way what maybe would be totally on on the up and up and and I don't want to name names but do you hear about companies that sort of get it from a marketing standpoint and then try to cheat the system a little bit do you know if that's have you heard about that at all where they might I'm sure it happens all the time well like yeah so I maybe I'm just speaking because I'm really careful about what I eat and what I put on my skin Mm -hmm. and so I'll see a, a, a popular brand that says, oh, this is the natural version of this mm. cream, and it'll have some aloe vera, and then the rest of it's all chemicals. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So yeah. companies are probably knowing. I, I don't know of any. I don't work so much with the dark forces. I try to stay in the light. <laughs> but, Very smart, but you know, buyer beware, right? Yes, so, but buyer uh, beware. But yeah. you know, Olivia, I think that has to do with government too. You know, because some countries will have more stringent regulations on what has to be on the label and what you can call natural and what you can't call natural. And maybe that's where the actual integration and cooperation needs to happen between businesses and and the government and so forth. You know, we need transparency and we need clear, clear guidelines. Right. And labeling. And yes, all and labeling. Yes. Well, speaking of um, countries, because we were talking about companies that are doing it right. And I understand you live in Copenhagen, Denmark. So mm-hmm. I, I, I do. And you were there, um, you've lived in the U.S., but you were there as a child. So, and and from my work with Rian Eisler in the caring economy, mm-hmm. um, that she does all the training and um, teaching and writing, they, she says that the Scandinavian countries have great examples of companies that create caring environments for the employees and the society and the environment. So can you talk about a few companies that are in around where you are or in the Scandinavian countries that are doing it right? 
Well, I think one of the one of the things that 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 has always been that helps that helps in the Scandinavian countries is the the that we have a more flat power structure and not a hierarchical power structure like in the U.S. And in general, that means that there's easier communication from top to bottom and so forth. But also, when you look at sort of the great the great place to work um, lists of Europe. And don't quote me on this, but I'm almost certain there was about 25 companies from Scandinavia on the last one <laughs> or the previous one. But there's a lot of them on there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have regulations and labor laws that help enforce that. But also there's a from having worked both here and there, mm-hmm. there's there in the U.S., I mean, and here mm-hmm. there's a different level of. I got to watch what I'm saying because, you know, it depends on where you are, but there seems to be a different level of respect and, and for the employee and just sort of letting them do their work. They, they're, they're treated as adults here. You don't need to watch over their shoulder. People, people do their work and they're allowed to do their work. They have more of a voice. Mm. Um, you know, is it true? I don't know. That's my, this is purely my, you know, impression of how things are. Yeah. But when you talk to management experts and leaders, and I've written some articles about this too, you know, the one thing they say is that the power structure um, makes a big difference. And this is also one of the things that's interesting is that even in the U.S. and around the world, they're, they're beating down walls and offices and creating big office spaces where people are closer to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's another area where baby boomers have a bit of a hard time compared to, for example, Generation Y. You know, there was a study that showed that they really want the open office environment. They wanted to feel like home. You know, they want to go up and throw to work and throw their legs up and be creative and have fun. And baby boomers can't have that. They need to have meeting rooms and they want to have, you know, walls because this is what's happening. I'm here. You're there. I do this. You do that. And that's sort of. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, I was just thinking that that's more that, you know, we've been taught in, in the Gen X or the baby boomer, excuse me, that it's about competition and, you know, individuality. So um, I can see that being a problem. And one of the reasons I actually wanted to do this whole radio show series and and feature these kinds of conversations is because my work in data companies was showing just that, that the the very high hierarchy companies were not able to adapt as quickly. And mm-hmm. and the, the fear-based management just wasn't working anymore. And then I started researching quantum physics, which talks about how you need the wisdom of connection. And you can fuel innovation just by getting people together. And so it makes perfect sense mm-hmm. that, a, you know, a shared working area would stimulate innovation. And uh, one of my big clients is Cisco, and they have um, a really nice setup when you go in the office because you can. Most of it is open air, like you described. And if you have a call or you just really need to think, then they've got offices you can go into. But I don't think very many people have in their own office anymore. They just really invite this kind of open working environment and a lot of virtual working environments as well. Yes, so. and hot desking and so forth. And <laughs> yeah, you know, hot it's, desking. <laughs> Would yeah, you want to just there. define that? Is that just is that where you just go in and you it take it for that, the hour yeah, or whatever? You go in and you grab a desk and you you leave again. But you know, right. what? I was I was doing some work around, you know, I think it was an article around future workforce. And they they were really talking about how, look, this the way it looks now. Forget it. 
there are so many things that are changing now, Olivia, which is why this is so incredibly exciting because, you know, with Generation Y coming in and CSR and companies shifting to purpose and everyone's their own sort of people are doing creative work across, you know, uh, boundaries and departments and places where there were silos before. And it's just really exciting. We're going to be working in a completely different ways. Companies will look different. Um, and obviously what we care about will be different. Wow. So it's very inspiring. So we're just about up on a break and I, I think it's just been so fun to hear about all the ways companies are doing things. And so when we come back, what I'd love to talk about is how do you communicate it and how do you create a story to, to tell what you're doing? So just, uh, we'll be right back. I'm Olivia Parud here with Susanna Gargiulo of Story Lounge Media, and we'll be back in a minute. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, I'm Olivia. I'm here with Susanna Gargiulo of Story Lounge Media, and we're talking about corporate social responsibility. So before the break, we were talking lots of statistics and companies that are doing it well and how the different generations are being just acting differently around this, and it seems like the trend is moving in the right direction for companies to be more socially responsible and consumers to be wanting it and employees to be wanting it. And so I think it comes down to now, if a company was going to embrace corporate social responsibility, how would they communicate that? How would they create a story around that? Can you share a little bit about your ideas there and maybe what steps you would take if a company came to you asking for this? Yes, uh, I can. I think there's, there's a few questions. You, you know, first of all, you need to figure out, well, what is 
the CSR for me. And to do that, you really need to know what's your story, what's your, you know, the whole, the whole concept I work with is that it's, it's embedded in your values and in your vision. It needs to be that because if you have a CSR strategy that comes out of your vision and your values, then you're going to have an authentic story and you're really going to be manifesting in your CSR, the very best of who you are. Imagine if you have core competencies, values, and vision in a CSR project. That mm-hmm. tells people who you are and what you do best. So that really is the goal with this. But it, let's say you're a company now and, and you're you're just now coming to CSR. The first thing I would ask you is, are you see do you have any CSR efforts? And if you do, are they strategically aimed at supporting your business goals? Mm-hmm. Because they need to be, you know, like like we saw with, for example, um, Levi's jeans. You know, their research and development is working at how do you create fabric with with less water? That's research and development that will eventually benefit the rest of the world as well. Mm-hmm. But for right now, you know, it's also supporting their company. How do you how do you look at new markets like Microsoft? Is doing you know and and so forth so that's one of the things you need to look at and then you need to ask yourself if the csr efforts are founded in the core competencies values and vision like we talked about because they need to highlight what you do best when you communicate it then you need to ask yourself what story are you telling because you're always telling a story if you're not telling a story you're telling a story that you're not telling a story do you know what i mean you need to be aware of what's the perception because Mm -hmm. the perception is what people buy based on essentially so it does matter um so you may as well take charge and control the communication and the story Mm -hmm. um and the the other thing is are you communicating it when you have your story are you communicating Are you communicating it? And do you understand the value you need to measure? Like we talked about earlier, if you can measure your CSR, it's much easier to communicate it. Mm -hmm. But but essentially, the, the first thing you need to do, and this is why it's such a fascinating process, I think, there is great value in developing your authentic CSR message. Because it's really an exercise in getting to know thyself as a company. Mm. You have to know who you are, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge that. And then you have to figure out how to apply what you do best to make a difference in the world. And it's it's really great. And when you know that, then you have a much clearer idea of how to communicate across the company, regardless of what the message is you're trying to get out. And it's not easy. You know, one of my favorite quotes is um, Patagonia's founder. Patagonia is the outdoor clothing company and one Mm -hmm. of the top CSR companies. He said that living the examined life is a pain in the ass because it is, you know, it really takes effort. And it it means you have to look some truths in the face that are not comfortable and it won't be easy, but you do. And it will be worth it because when you find you know your values and your core and your heart and you build a CSR program around that then you have a fantastic story mm-hmm. you will have the best story for you and then you just really need to go out and tell it and that that's a matter of 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 expertise if you will you know figure out if the story is part of your core values and your core uh, in, in, ingrained in the company and integrated in the business strategy mm-hmm. then you can have it come out through all the communication channels in your company you know it can come out through emails it will come out employees are your greatest ambassadors you know if they know it you know have them have they will go out and talk about it it will it will permeate the company if that's if that's the case and then you build a communication strategy from that 
But, you know, you have to start from the inside out. You know, you don't want to go out with a major CSR um, advertising campaign about your environmental, um, you know, work and then not have recycling bins in your office. You know, so you really have to start. You have to start at the core and then you work your way out and make sure your employees are engaged. Yeah. Wow. So if a man... I'm guessing this is something that would have to be directed from the top levels. Would you agree? Yes, it has to be. Have you seen or what would you, it sounds like there could be a couple of things that might impel a company to seek it out. Either they're being hurt in the market by competitors that are doing it well, or that they really have a, a they care about it. And so this would actually be interesting to talk about because Levi's, started as a company that probably didn't care that much or maybe historically they did but it wasn't important to to actually make that a point where i think patagonia if i'm not mistaken sort of started out as a company that wanted to make their message from the beginning that they were socially responsible is that accurate do you think well actually with patagonia it was kind of fun because they were they were doing outdoor clothing and they they sort of had an idea but the reason they started really getting into it and doing organic clothing is because um people weren't they were on the shop floor and people weren't feeling good they were kind of getting sick and they couldn't figure out why wow and then they had technicians come in and they looked at what was going on and they realized and they and they found out there was formaldehyde in the air and then they said what what and then they said it must be from the cotton downstairs Wow. So what they realized is the cotton at that point, they realized the cotton was one of the most, you know, polluting fabrics that were out there. So they had to change it. That's why he said it's a pain in the ass, because once you know that you can't you can't work with it anymore. Right. And in fact, the fashion industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world. Right. So they took it from there. They went organic. And since then, you know, they have really, they are absolutely pioneers in this field. They, they've created a com, uh, an initiative they call the Common Threads Initiative. Hmm. They repair, reuse, resell, and recycle all of really? their stuff. I mean, they, you know, can you imagine a company saying, you know, resell your jacket? Huh. You know, don't buy a new one, resell it. But they, it works because they have fans and followers, just like Tom's shoes. I mean, yeah. this is what people want. And I, I, so they actually have what they call the Footprint Chronicles. It's worth taking a look at on their website, mm-hmm. which um, maps out the entire environmental impact of their supply line. Wow. And you can go and you can follow it. Yeah. Th- these guys are, these guys are leading the way. You know, there's some great examples of companies out there that are already where we're heading, I hope and think. Yeah. So so they didn't actually start out, but it sounds like they got involved in it. And then, uh, yes, it's like they're building a family. Like you said, the loyalty must be immense. Mm -hmm. And I think after a while, people probably don't even look at other brands. You know, they could just get so dedicated to that one brand. Yeah. Because of, and, and I think s- we're hungry for it. You know, yeah. we're really hungry for integrity, for clean business, for mm-hmm. people that are authentic, that are doing things for the right reasons. Well, we all want that. Yes, and it just occurred to me that when I grew up, so when I was a child, there wasn't any discussion about the planet being poisoned. It wasn't even. I mean, in in ways, we had the 
the nuclear threat with the Cold War. So we had to get under our desks at school, which, you know, they learned later wouldn't do anything. But <laughs> um, but we I don't know that I ever really took it seriously. Now, mm-hmm. the Gen Yers are growing up with real evidence that our planet is threatened. You know, the, mm-hmm. that has to be a motivating factor in where you shop or or what you patron who you patronize that may be adding to that or making it better it's yeah. just um really really interesting so what when we were talking um yeah about telling this story so if you had had a team or worked coached anyone or had examples or know of examples of of a team that asked for some of this and then maybe parts of the company were resistant or is that, do you know what I mean? Like, I think you've got to get everybody on board. Yeah. So share some of that. I I had, I had a, I had a, um, I don't, I don't want to mention names, but one (laughs) of the companies I I worked for was, you know, they, they wanted a massive, a long-term strategy, uh, which we built. And I, I, you know, I, I thought most of the leadership group was in it, although it wasn't the top, but basically, then there was no resources to put um, a CSR person in place, which is what it would have taken to really embed this. Right. You know, and this is a company that has as a strategy to attract green business, mm-hmm. green green organizations and so forth. And, and they're doing a tremendous job, actually, of becoming green, but they're not communicating it. So and, you know, people can't make decisions based on things they don't know. And the, one of the greatest mistakes companies make is really not to communicate their CSR because you cannot reap the benefits. The value of CSR is in sharing, you know, what you've done. It's right. like keeping your best story a secret. I don't understand it. That's why my entire mission is to tell people about this. Also, because we need to tell other companies how it's being done. Yeah. It's it's an area, I think, of great insecurity. It can be very difficult to, to, to maneuver. You know, how do I do this? What do I do? What makes sense? You know, right. does it doesn't really make sense for a, for a restaurant to help, uh, you know, women who live in violence. It would help. It would make more sense for them to work with organic farmers, you know. So there are some relevant things that you need to be aware of and there's some in order to get the message straight you really need to think about communication before you put your CSR strategy into place because that's where your benefit comes in right aside from the obvious wonderful benefits of helping society and your company you know mm-hmm. yeah it's well and you were saying earlier in the show that companies may go about it in a different way so when you work with a leadership team and you're starting to create the story, do you also then start to say, how do you want to measure the impact or, or show if it's working? Is that the stage where you would do that as well? Yeah, you would, you would have, you would ask them to, you know, most of the bigger companies will have ways in which they already measure, you know, a lot of, I mean, the majority of my experience comes in when people already have CSR experience or they're already doing CSR projects and they're fairly good at measuring it because they need to report it. You know, we have a, we have a rule here that says they need to report it. So they'll have some numbers, but they don't use them to communicate them. So it's also sometimes a matter of, you know, I think my mission to be, you know, is really to eradicate boring CSR storytelling because if I see another 
boring CSR site with dry text about, you know, how they've cut this and how they've done that. It's it's really um, it's unfortunate because I think it's detrimental to to CSR mm-hmm. as a great company tool. Yeah. You know, if they if companies can realize and see how much value you can gain from communicating yourself mm-hmm. positively and in that way and getting your story out, I think many more would do it. Yeah. So kill the boring CSR pages, please. <laughs> very, very good. Well, I, I mentioned earlier, I consult with Cisco and they mm-hmm. are often one of the first companies to go into an area where there's a disaster like in Haiti and Fukushima, you know, to set up connections mm-hmm. to try to get people what they need. But wow. I don't. Yes. And. I may be incorrect, but I don't hear about that so much in the news as I do through internal memos and things. So it sounds like there's a story there that could be shared from Cisco. It's a great story. And it's also a way, you know, because, you know, what is the impact of what they do? Think about that. Yeah. How important is it to have the lines of communication at a time like like that? I mean, what they do is probably significant and essential to the rescue mission, if you will, or to the help or whatever it is. So there's a lot of facts that can be derived. There's a lot of stories that can come from that. You know, maybe there was somebody who connected with their this or that. You know, there's human stories to be told. So lives saved, perhaps. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Those stories have to be told. You know, they should be told because Mm -hmm. they deserve, you know, Cisco deserves the credit. They deserve to get the goodwill from that, I think. And also it's 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 an inspiration for other companies to get out there and do something wow. with their core competencies and and what and everyone wants to do it i really do believe it everyone yes. wants to do it i think you're right they may not know it yet but <laughs> they want to <laughs> wow well so we have uh, about 30 seconds left um so maybe one sentence if a company came to you and said why should i engage in csr what would you say I would say because it's the right thing to do. It's cliche, but it is. It's the smart business thing to do as well. Thank it's you. absolutely the smart thing to do. <laughs> thank you, Susanna. That, and thank, thank you. you so much for being my guest today. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. I will. Thank Thanks. you for letting me talk about CSR. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. We're up on a holiday, so we'll be back on January third for the first show of my next season. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud. I wish you a wonderful holiday season and we'll see you next year. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parrud, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week.